edition of a humanistic perspective podcast i am super stoked today folks i have a personal favorite episode and i can't wait for this one i have on a good friend mentor and someone in the music industry who i really admire wow. gabe gabe how are you feeling today feeling pretty good 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 yeah. for people just so you know before we jump into this he's the director of operations over at the bob stop which is a jazz club here in cleveland uh you've been in the role for how long it's been about seven and a half years. Wow. Seven and a half years curating the music, running the club, doing everything. And when I say everything, I quite literally mean everything, which is, I mean, a feat in its own. So congrats to doing that. And I can't wait to talk about your life. How are you feeling today, though? Today, I'm a little tired. We had a show last night. Um, it was a lot of fun. Good. But a bit of a late night, and then I had an event. We had a documentary film screening this morning mm. at 8 a.m., so I had to be here at, at about 5. Wow. So, and Early then another morning. show tonight. So, wow. yeah, busy week. And next week is the seventh anniversary of regular scheduled programming at the Bop Stop <laughs> as part of the music settlement. So, next week is going to be huge. pretty busy. So, wow, yeah, just congrats. a busy stretch for us. And how are you feeling about the acts right now? Like, are you what? What are you most excited for in the lineup coming? Well, November is going to be fun. It's the first month where we're back to about fifty percent touring bands. Good. So it's obvi- we haven't been able to do touring bands for a really long time because of the pandemic, mm. and um, so I'm just I'm excited to see some of those folks and some of those are some national acts that were even rescheduled from 2020 and they finally get to come so and are they are they running off the same tour schedule as of 2020 or are they just completely scratching that and redoing a whole new schedule uh so so, uh there's a there's a mix of both of that happening the case is the bop stop it's completely new tours they're just trying to get shows that were canceled in years past just back on the calendar but there were there were bands trying to keep the same exact tour route and just push it a year uh in advance sure. and that that has ha- that did happen from 2020 to 2021 and now 2021 to tw- 2022 okay it's kind of crazy wow damn yeah there's so much to get into with that but before we do that i mm-hmm. want to go back to your childhood your upbringing what was your family life like wow what are your parents like what were their careers like how did that influence your upbringing uh tell me a little bit more about that because i We've known each other for a long time, but I don't know if I know a lot of this. That's funny. Um, I haven't thought about this in a really long time. Uh, my mom Great. is a graphic designer. Okay, cool, cool. My dad is a pediatrician. Amazing. And um, I grew up in a suburb of Philadelphia, Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, where Swarthmore College is. Okay. Uh, but my family had no affiliation with the college. A lot of people in the town, you know, they someone teaches there or works kinda there. Kind of like Oberlin or... BW, yeah. where like everyone lives in the community and works in it. Yeah. Um, but my parents are both from New York and moved to outside Philadelphia for um, essentially the public school system. And so what, what year were, were, was this during your upbringing? Um, calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was born in 1988. 
88. So, okay, the early 90s is what your upbringing is going to be like. That's when you're going to become a teen and experience the culture. That's right. Awesome. (laughs) I'm just trying to get a picture in my head of what what you might be experiencing as external factors in the world. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, my parents, you know, I think I was uh, very fortunate. I had very supportive parents. I have an older sister. Um, We traveled a lot. Hell yeah. So we always did a weekly, a weekly, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, like an annual biking trip. So Like where you got on a bicycle. Got on road. a bike and we would bike, you know, 15 to 50 miles a day. Uh, okay. We started when, when I was pretty young. So um, where would I, you go? Like what was, like maybe what was one of the longest ones you did? The longest ones? Wow. We did, um, we did the coast of California. <laughs> no that was long. Way. Not the entire, not the entire thing, but like a section of it. Um, we've we did uh, the Pacific Northwest as well. Uh, we did. We biked through Yellowstone. We. How was that? That was a lot of fun. Gorgeous. Yeah. 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 It's funny because as a kid, I always looked forward to traveling, and didn't like. Now that I'm older, like. I have no time and can't go on trips like that. Mm. And Do you it was suffer it again. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And so, were your parents just like hobbyist enthusiasts of biking? Did they watch like Tour de France? Was that big culture in your house? I think they d- no, not no. racing or anything like okay. that. I think yeah, yeah. Um, when you travel on a bike, you're just moving at a pace where you can kind of take everything in on a level mm. you can't when you're driving. You know, it's just you're mm. you can stop whenever you want. You can you just, I mean, you're moving a lot slower. So you just notice things that you wouldn't notice mm. if you're just driving. Um, yeah. What was the first what what year or how old were you when you did the first one of those? Oh, my God. I was I was little. I would say I was probably nine. Wow. Yeah. And do you have a sack with like camping gear or like what are you doing for stop? So the first one we did, we did camp the entire way. Okay. Um, and then on some of the other trips, you would stay like in little inns um, mm. or hotels. This sounds badass. Have you thought about doing this overseas anywhere? So like we a similar trip. We've we've done a few overseas. We did yes. um, Queensland in Australia, and we did the Loire Valley in France. No way. Uh, those were both really pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Yeah. What, what what time was that? What, what Around what age were those? Oh, my God. I was probably in middle school or early high school. Holy cow. What do you remember from, from those experiences? Wow. There's so many. I think the Australia one was a little bit more memorable. Um, How was the jet lag for that trip? I don't remember. You really don't? Yeah. I don't remember the flight that, that well, really? but I remember the trip. Because it's a significant time change, right? It's like a whole 12 hours almost. Probably. I can't remember. I mean, obviously, it's it's a big, it's a big time difference. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Dang. So uh, did you get in a fight with a kangaroo on the trip? No, but I did. we did see, we biked by a kangaroo that actually had been hit by a car. But in its pouch was a little baby kangaroo, and it was still alive. <gasps> so there was somebody who, like, took it and wrapped it in a blanket. And wow was trying to find a place to shelter it yeah Holy it was cow. it was the baby was very cute it was a sad sight but 
yeah. what a unique story you're like oh i can't wait to see the the wildlife here and then you're like oh this is a visceral way to see it yeah just on the side of the road like a coon almost here like yeah you would see <laughs> interesting cool wow so let's get back to up- upbringing in philadelphia okay school system are you overachiever underachiever overachiever right in the middle okay overachiever yep uh I have very high standards for myself. Mm. I also loved school. Like I lo- like I Were sometime- you popular in school? Like during mi- I'm talking I guess middle school, high school. It was weird. I was very dorky, but I mm. feel like I was well liked and I I I had a similar situation. Yeah. I so I I wouldn't say I was part of the like the quote unquote popular crowd, mm. but I feel like I was kind of friends with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, you knew how to. And like, I'm a people pleaser. Yes. So I like can adapt and in those situations. Yeah. 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 I think that's why we get along very well. I, because we do have a very similar like. We get along for many personal. reasons. Yes. <laughs> I, I, you would agree with that as well. I would agree with that as well. Um, okay. Cool. Yeah. So what prospects are you going to college in your head? What do you want to do? Are you pretty sure you want to be a venue owner and get into the music industry, or like where is your head at at this time? Uh, and you're playing trumpet, right? Yeah. Are you a music nerd? Like I was hardcore. I wasn't sports. I was arts. I did both. Okay, you were both. I did. I did do both. Uh, you were bilingual in sports. I guess I wasn't very good at sports. Mm. Um, I, I think I was probably best at soccer, mm. uh, and I loved basketball, but I never grew. So, mm. <laughs> like that, that was that. fun in middle school, but I never made the team in high school. You know, it's just. Evolution got you on that's that right. one. <laughs> that's right. Um, but in the, you know, for football season, I always did marching band over doing a, f- a fall sport. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yep. Same here. Same yep. Here. And were you one of those like IMEA kids? Did, did you guys have that at the time? Or we would have PMEA. Yeah, PMEA. But yeah, so I did that. Yep. Yep. Cool. And did you get into state and all the conferences as I well? I did get into state. Yeah, hell yeah. This is <laughs> such the overachiever track. I love it. Hell yes. yeah. And uh, friend groups, that life, how was it for you at the time? Uh, so Any wild stories, let me ask that. Well, you. I switched fr- friend groups essentially based on who I was interested in. like Women-wise, you're saying? Yes, romantically. <laughs> yeah. Give me an example. So, like, you'd be like, all right, uh, cross-country kids now. That's funny. So, ninth grade, I had a huge crush on someone who was a pole vaulter. (laughs) Yeah. So, I'd run track, and they'd be pole vaulting. I'd be like, wow, look at that, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look at them fly. (laughs) Look at them fly. (laughs) Sky's the limit. Sure, Uh, sure. That's funny. That's cool, yeah, because it cultures you, in a sense. You, you sort of are getting a vibe for what these kids feel like and do like and what these ones Yeah, I mean, like. I joined choir because I had a crush on somebody in choir. Mm. So, um, and I actually ended up loving choir. Really? I ended up doing it for two years, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I did that too. I did uh, four years of choir and four years of band in high school. Nice. And it was amazing. Yeah. There is nothing like that too, like a good choir piece where there's like tons of counterpoint in the lines, but then everyone's like, singing and really listening to each other like it's different than when i'm playing with a bunch of musicians when i like have a horn in my mouth like there's something distinctly unique about that experience as well but like all of those instruments are inside of us when you're singing together versus 
the interaction with like a, a wind instrument is more I'm I'm introducing something into my next to my body and participating with it. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? Not much. This is an enlightening uh, discussion. <laughs> Glad it can be. Glad it can be. Oh, so, okay. High school finishes, and how the hell do you end up at Oberlin? Um, I guess I just gave that away, yeah. Yeah, no, I um, I only looked at colleges that had strong music programs. I wasn't sure I wanted to major in music, but I wanted music to be a part of so you my looked world. at like pretty much all conservatories, or were there? I looked at schools that had strong music programs just in the college, or had a liberal arts sort of college and a music school. Okay, cool. So, uh, you know, Indiana University, University of Michigan, Oberlin. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the schools were in the Midwest. Some were on the East Coast, also. Mm-hmm. But um, as soon as I visited Oberlin, I knew I wanted to go there, and um they have a really strong liberal arts program which is like for me to just be happy as a person i can't just do music there needs to be something else for me yeah so i didn't really want to choose between one or the other at the time no that 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 makes a lot of sense did i did like similarly i did like an overnight i was like between u of i like a really big d1 school or bw which was you know small school and just fell in love with like the culture and the climate of that, but then also that ability to like explore and be creative in multiple ways. Yeah, I thought that was unique. Your college experience, okay? Uh, how was it? Let's go uh, through this because Oberlin is was Oberlin like it is now, or like I don't know. I guess I can't co- really speak too much to what what it's like now. I have a very um, kind of have a. I mean, I remember it fondly, but it had I had a lot of ups and downs. I think, like ultimately, it really helped me get to where I want to want to be. Yeah. But um, it was tricky. I ended up going to Oberlin just as a college student, and could not because of the conservatory. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get into like a lot of the. Couldn't take a lot of music that I wanted to because conservatory students had priority in terms of registering for those cl- classes so I even though i that. so even though i chose a school to be close I, to the music i couldn't do music the way i wanted to do it so Damn. i did end up auditioning for the conservatory my sophomore year i got accepted and did uh became what they call double degree so mm-hmm. i was earning a ba in the college and a bm in the conservatory and then um, because I added the conservatory so late, I had to do summer classes mm-hmm. and I ended up graduating with over six years of college credits because of how much catching up I had Holy to do. Cow. But of my last year, which was my fifth year on day one, I had to do a performance exam so that I could graduate on time and I didn't pass that performance exam. So essentially I was kicked out of the school and I had enough credits to graduate with a double major in the college. And they said, you know, you're not going to get your BM. You know, you're just going to have your, your double major. No way. And I pretty much was convinced by my parents to kind of figure out a way to make it work. And I met with the dean of the conservatory. And I had always wanted to do an individual major in the conservatory. Mm-hmm. But my proposal was always rejected because... 
they wanted me to prove I had a strong foundation in music performance before changing my major to an independent major because the degree is a BM. So it's mm -hmm. a performance degree. But because I like because I added the conservatory so late, I didn't I essentially didn't have enough time to build the foundation that they wanted me to show before uh implementing this. Yeah. yeah. So finally it took f essentially flunking out to get this major approved and the major was this jazz entrepreneurship major which was geared way more towards music business and running and running an arts organization you know web design economics public speaking so you were like the first person to do that at oberlin yes i Whoa. mean i'm the only one that has that degree from that school yes that's freaking badass yeah did you See, it seems interesting because it seems like you were an overachiever, but it also seems like you, you you like to diffract from the status quo. Like you didn't want to be like the rest of your classmates. In the fact, even in the way that you said, like you wanted to build your own independent major. Like, did you go into college with the anticipation that, like, I'm going to try and make the most out of this experience, but I'm going to like make sure it's what I want it to be? No, I thought that it that the school would just kind of be supportive of what I wanted to do. I mean, it's kind of like. You you could think of it even if even just as a musician with a with a private lesson instructor instructor like you know a good teacher should help you get to where you want ask you you know where do you want to be and help you get to that yeah. spot it shouldn't be them just telling you what to do and yeah. imposing what they you know telling you what you should know mm -hmm. and kind of similarly in college i feel like college should help you get to where you want to be and not be like no you kind of have to do it this way mm -hmm. and so i went in thinking that it was going to be a supportive environment and it it really wasn't until mm -hmm. i made them be more supportive but it took an extreme which is failing Literally. you know to get to that point so I don't know. It's it was an interesting road, um, but but I'm happy how it played out. I mean, I never really you know failing that exam. I never wanted to be a professional musician. I love music. I wanted to be part of my life forever. Yes. But flunking that is a sign of just saying you know I it's not who I am and that's okay. Yes. Um. I knew that already. That's what's frustrating. <laughs> mm. It's almost, a, yeah, it's almost as if like, it's weird. Like life, the life journey didn't allow you to listen to your intuition yet. But maybe it's almost as if you weren't allowed to listen to your intuition to recognize that from here on out, you should probably listen to your intuition on something like that. You know what I mean? Like thinking back on it or hearing it now. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there, it, you, you just have to be proactive and, and a lot of, you create. You have to create opportunity for yourself, and that opportunity can be created from in ways that you never really thought of until you're in that specific situation. Yep, literally. I like failing. Failing that exam was an opportunity. It didn't feel like an opportunity at the time, but it became one. But it it was one. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Wow, that's really cool. What is your mental emotional state like during your college years? 
are you battling a lot? Like I know for me, my freshman year, <laughs> there was tons of depression after like my grandma passed away. It was a huge learning experience. I moved far away from home. What was sort of like your personal mental health situation during the four years? Did you see a growth trajectory? What were you facing? So freshman year, I was pretty depressed. Yeah. I had been dating someone very seriously in high school and it was hard to move away from that person. And I was homesick and lovesick. Mm. After I got past that phase, everything was great. I mean, I loved college. The you people bloomed. I met were great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a perfect socially. It was a, the perfect place for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the friends I made in college are still my best friends today, mm -hmm. and teachers I had are still mentoring me now. Wow. Like I. It was a great place. Yeah. yeah. And, okay, you were roommates with Danny DeVito's son, correct? No, 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 I wasn't. Um, um, he is a, a friend of mine, okay. um, and we, we did hang out in college, and we had our uh, graduation party together. Oh, yes. But, yeah. That was it. That's yeah. It. How did, and at the time, like, how did you guys meet? Like, how, how did you guys become friends? Oh, he was really good friends with my housemate. Some I lived with. So um, that's how we, well, honestly, that's how we became better friends. He actually, it was my fourth, third year of college. He lived directly below me. That's mm -hmm. how we met. Um, but we did have a lot of mutual friends. So, oh, yes. Yeah. That's sick. What was some of the highlights of college for you? Anything that you're extremely proud of or like an event you were like, holy shit, I will never forget that? There's a lot. But, yeah. I mean, I guess on the spot, there are nights that stand out. I remember Obama getting elected. That was mm -hmm. crazy. Why? What made that night crazy for you? Uh, there was a, We had a huge second line. Everyone was just, like, marching through the town, very no happy. Way. So marching in a second line just with, like, this kind of amazing feeling and yeah. energy in the air. Um, but that will always stand out as a special, a special night. Mm -hmm. Um Saw a lot of great concerts there. Mm. Um, <laughs> Overland a lot of things I shouldn't concerts. share on, on this podcast. Statute of limitations still. <laughs> um, I don't know. Any accomplishments? It's fun like, just to sit here and think about all these memories right now. Literally. Thanks for bringing it up. Any of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I can't. I literally can't. Um didn't you do like a business plan or something you told me about? I feel like so the in the, the in, for the independent major I made this jazz entrepreneurship major. I did write a business plan for uh, a small performing arts space. Mm. And what's interesting is I I wrote it as a senior in college, and then four years after graduating, I submitted it with my application for the bop stop job and it's right. what it's really what helped get me this the position so it was literally a, a college project that turned into a career wow and yeah. that's like an opportunity like that's crazy like if you had not done that major if you didn't do that, at that exactly time. yeah it's it's very weird to think about i literally in oberlin there was a project called the green arts district mm -hmm. so i wrote this business plan for a hypothetical <laughs> sort of venue as part of this green arts district. And when I applied for the Bob stop, I 
essentially just went through the business plan and changed. Anytime I said Green Arts District, I just changed it to Bob Stop. <laughs> and it was, that was pretty much the only adjustment that you need to make. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was your, okay, so you get the job at the Bob Stop mm-hmm. and you're now running a venue at a club and, I'm sure you had had some experience right throughout college and stuff actually interacting with venues. Did you have internships or anything like that prior to the Bob? So, yeah, I actually worked at another venue. So I worked at this club called Night Town, which recently sold um, during no the pandemic. Way. Yeah. It's Night, Night Town's no more? They're supposedly reopening in 2022 at some point, but they don't have an exact date. date. And um, it was sold to a steakhouse. So they say they're going to still have music, but the extent or what this music actually is, it's no one really knows seen. yet. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, but I worked. I worked there uh, running sound. Um, that was at night, and then during the day, I worked for a booking agency. So I was I was booking East Coast and Midwest tour dates for uh, it was about thirty jazz artists. Wow. Yep. And what did you gain most from that experience, would you say? Um, well, I was booking a lot of shows, so I learned, you know, I saw a lot of contracts and mm-hmm. learned a lot on the administrative side of things for the music business. Mm-hmm. And working at Nighttown, I learned, or I could have a clear idea of what I really liked and what I really wanted to do different. What were some of those things at the time? And do they still apply today as a venue operator? So that's a good question. I would say yes. Um, it still still applies today. I mean, I really Nighttown had a really strong identity, mm. and people that go there really love it. On the on the uh, from an audience perspective, it has a very strong reputation people have been going there for 50 years Mm. um so what i liked about it was kind of how they strictly business speaking kind of capitalize on their brand and can keep a solid base like a strong clientele of regulars in terms of what i would change i like venues that are not i personally like venues that are not restaurants first so Mm. um and how do you break that distinction of not being a restaurant first i think there's where's that line i think it's when you're not imposing on guests or performers so there it's a balance of respecting the diner and respecting who's on stage. Mm. So in a restaurant first sort of space, you respect the diner first. Yeah. And what's happening on stage is kind of an afterthought. Yes. It's there. So it's People not might applause if it stops, if they catch it, it stops. Well, you know, um, you know, if it's, a quiet show and people aren't listening to the music they're there to dine um that's not a bad thing there are places that have policies where servers only will 
fill up water glasses in between songs mm-hmm. or something like that where you know guests are uh there's enough space so that you know servers aren't walking literally on stage to get to customers literally. you know i um literally and that you know i would see that happen there that happens at comedy clubs all the time yeah i just i just think uh you you want the musicians to feel really comfortable on stage and you got to give them a a space to do that literally and figuratively Mm. um so yeah when i say restaurant first i i i don't mean uh i mean from like kind of a service side most venues obviously have food and i'm not saying i don't like food at venues it's just how the process of getting that food to your customer and respecting everyone in that space. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you that you bring that up too because one thing that I notice no matter if I'm at a festival or a venue is specifically in the operation style. Like usually the pre-preparation plans are so good, but like the operation systems that will occur during the events never get thinked about appropriately. And that's not even a good word. Never get thought about <laughs> appropriately. And it's interesting, too, because, like, I would change that so much. Like, for example, I went to Spring Awakening this last weekend, and, like, it looked at, it was, like, almost as if they put everything where it was supposed to be, but they didn't think about, okay, how is this going to function with 200,000 people here? Yeah. And, and I get what you're saying, how even in an intimate setting, like the Bob Stop or another jazz club, making sure that the food isn't taking away from the actual art and the curation that's occurring yeah and i think there's actually you know there are some places that really can play the food like mix the culinary arts with the musical arts in a really fun way Mm. Um, but uh, i digress (laughs) so once you get the job here Mm -hmm. how are you where what's your headspace at like like was there a lot that needed to be changed fixed were you just starting were you how was how was it at the beginning of operating the club and getting going there? So I was so excited. They hand me a key. So I got this. I was hired when I was 26. Wow. And so I, first of all, I was like, wow, I can't believe. I, I mean, I can't believe I got this job. They literally are handing me keys to a, a venue. like a, you know, like a venue that's worth over a million dollars which like is this is a nice ass venue for anyone who's listening if you haven't been to cleveland or been to the bob stop like this place is erected with a view of the water right by tons of culture and arts here in ohio this is ohio city correct yeah in the ohio city area the venue itself when you come inside just the aesthetic with the art that you guys have and all the murals and the buildings design it's it's really really nice especially for a jazz club yeah it's a really nice space so I was just kind of the first few weeks were honestly the first few months. I was just like, wow, this is insane. I will say on the first, the first our grand opening, I like the day it's like the day I get the keys. Mm -hmm. I walk up to the front door and there's just poop right in front of the front door. And I was just like, wow, human or (laughs) which animal, I guess. Uh, debatable (laughs) but i i remember i was so excited and i was like wow this is literally one of the first things i'm gonna do at the space is just scoop up this poop um and the rest is that doesn't wake you up to being an entrepreneur i don't know what will uh but that's kind of a side story but i was yeah i was i was super excited and uh 
I really got to start from scratch. So the programming, I got to start from scratch. The whole concept of what the space is was something that I had control over and the settlement trusted me with, which was really nice um, at the music settlement. Um, they, they own the Bob stop. I haven't really talked much about them yet. Sure. Um, it was really fun getting everything up and running and it was new. It was fun. And then once it started kind of picking up, mm. it kind of set in that was like, wow. All right. Now the job is to keep this going. And there was yes. kind of a mental shift where there's a lot of excitement when it's new and then just realizing, wow, that's not getting this started wasn't isn't the job. It's keep it going. That's how that's, taking yeah. on this podcast was. Yeah. Episode twenty five was when the like, okay, this is fun to like, okay, what is the trajectory of this thing to keep it going? Set yeah. in. I totally get that. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a lot. And like what was your customer base like at the beginning? And was that the audience that it is now today? And how did you grow your audience slash build an audience? So when the Bob Stop has a long history in Cleveland. So the original Bob Stop opened in 1991. Um, the second location was downtown. It opened in the mid, mid-90s. And then cool. this location opened in 2003. Mm. And it did close and then ultimately was donated to the music settlement. When it reopened as part of the settlement, it did have a base of some folks who had been going to the Bop Stop in years past. Sure. So that is who came when That's we first where opened. Started. That's where I started. The programming is way more diverse now than the other Bop Stops. Musically, I what you're saying like it, was it more like you know your standardized sixties, fifties, forties style? Yeah, it was. It was. Now they did do a lot of standards and original music, but it was really mostly bebop inspired. Okay, jazz. Understood. And I present every the whole way, spectrum. The whole the whole spectrum, and I would say we do about 80% jazz programming. It's what we're known yeah. for, but the other 20% is a little bit of everything. Yeah, and that is one that is one way to, to build avant-garde. the audience. Yeah. Which is so that's my favorite thing about being here is like during my time at least, your curation style was brilliant. I really really appreciated the acts that you were bringing in, and I thought that I don't know, you did a really balanced job of making sure that for someone who comes in and is expecting to hear potentially jazz, they can come here and have a good time and have a home. But then for younger people who are interested in just music in general and exploring that scene, this is like a really good place to find new curated experience. Yeah, it makes me nervous sometimes because if you come in mm. and your first time in is a for a big band and then you come in five days later and there's like Norwegian free jazz, yeah, yeah. you know, it's... Yeah, I mean, I like both, but I don't think most people like both. Sure, uh, sure. So I just tell people to check, you know, check the calendar, see what's yeah. going on. But yeah, I mean, you'll you you could be surprised when you just walk in off the street what you what you'll hear. But that's the beauty of a small venue. I mean, you kind of have the ability to be creative. Obviously, we need to 
make sure our attendance overall is good. But if I have a, if there's something I'm, I feel strongly needs to be presented and it draws 25 people, that's okay. So yeah. Yeah. That's we'll make up for it. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder to, it's a lot, it's a lot harder to have that mindset when you're booking a larger venue, more seats. I agree with that. And one thing I'm realizing, like the older I'm getting and the more I'm thinking about things is like, I don't want to be, like I would, l I love being an entrepreneur and I like doing my own thing, but I don't want to run a huge company. I don't want these <laughs> fucking pyramid facility operation systems where it's more about the more HR and the more managers I have. Like to me, that's not a, that's not inducive for a good capitalistic markety for market for competition, right? Mom and pop and small boutique experiences are where it's at. Like the reason we even travel and leave this country to go explore other countries is to have a new experience, not to land on a plane in Mulan and find a Starbucks. You know, you want to be in Milan. You want to experience their people, their culture. I want to see so much more of that in the American business and economic system. And specifically with venues too. Like I would love to see a diffraction from huge live nation, AEG, um, mainstream tour circuit book shows to seeing like 20 30 clubs in the city where there's just unique experiences happening and we're like because like being here at this club whenever someone comes in it always feels like we're just connecting with them and like it's like hey it's it's like a fresh place to be and it's more about that experience and that's something that's priceless like that as humans we can you can't get that anywhere else. You can't go to Chicago on that same night and have that exact same experience with those same humans. And so, like, I would love to see that rewarded, I guess, more in the market and something that people are encouraging themselves more to go find. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that's, a very <laughs> that's a very short answer to you. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I, I just mean I think having a diverse – that the that the diversity of options is – is beneficial. Um, I do think the the per, the person who goes into, um, you know, stays on the independent side of things versus going to work for a larger company. There's um, there's differences there, and people that 100%. that choose one or the other over the other, I think are. There's a there's a lot that they share, but there's it's a different type of person. Mm. You know, like if you were working for another company, you may there might be more financial security because you're there might be I don't know. Yes, uh, as opposed to owning your own spot, right? Um, where it could be a little bit more risky. Sure, and now and then yeah, then we get into like, is the market inducive to do that? Exactly what you're saying there. I get what well, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, there's you know there's policies that could help support people who want to be creative or independent owners. Yeah. Uh, and some cities do a better job of that than others. Mm. You know, I mean like a city, like I, I really don't know the ins and outs. So this isn't necessarily a good example, but there's sure. obviously a reason that new Orleans has a ton of venues. It's, it's, you know, part of their culture and the city supports it and it's, they're supporting their identity mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. valued uh, on a level that it it's different in other cities. Yeah. That's fascinating that you bring that up that the the implementation of the legislation can also play a, a fact into how we 
we even yeah entertainment you know entertainment taxes the price of permits there's a lot of extra things you need to be able to present live music yeah and there are things that politicians can do to make it a less risky business 100 percent um when you were first getting into it were there any big hurdles you had to get over for the bob stop that you guys needed to adjust or get through uh i mean there's always hurdles um they never go away. <laughs> um, they, some of them change, and some of them, you're just fighting forever. Um, you know, I think that I don't want to call it a hurdle, but the model here is very unique. You know, we are one department of a larger nonprofit that's a, a community music school, so. I don't want to necess- necessarily say it's a hurdle, but one of the challenging thing things is navigating the space where we support ourselves with earned revenue, but we are nonprofit. We're also part of this larger nonprofit. And so when you talk about our business model, it's it's unique and it makes mm. some things great. Like over the pandemic, I was able to apply for grants that were only available to nonprofits but at the same time there was relief that I was also not able to get because I'm one department within another organization mm. so I can't apply just as the bop stop I am legally part of the music settlement so mm. just keeping this place uh, financially stable is, uh, I guess every venue owner or operator is playing the cards they're dealt, but it really, there are not many places that have been dealt the same cards as the Bob stop. It's a really unique sort of, uh, just, it's a really unique setup. Truly. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. Like I could see that, that it would put, um, not like you're saying like it hinders things, but like it puts a lot of, um, creativity into how you're thinking and planning and building and putting forth a new idea yeah well i mean uh, i you know a lot of people ask like are you sad that you you don't play as much music anymore or something like Mm. and they think that the but they're that it says it will be framed in a way that's like oh music is so creative do you miss that and running the business you know it's like the same you know it's the same sort of you I use mean, the same part of your brain. And it's it's a fun challenge. And yeah. I don't know, a lot of, for me, learning music is also kind of navigating, figuring your way through a situation you're presented. And uh, it's really cheesy to use the, like, work is improv at, mm. at Jazz Club, but, you know, feeding off of, um, I don't know the right word, uh, I I don't know the right word, but just sure. uh, dang, I'm having a a mental block there. A mental block here. Sorry, B- no, being up g- since five a.m. Yeah, no, seriously, <laughs> I hear you. It's it's one of those days. Yeah, it's I I get that though. What you're saying with like it's being an entrepreneur is all about adjusting, adapting, and then moving forward. And that's the same thing with specifically like jazz. And you might know what the structure is. You might have a business plan. But how you get through the chart and how you improvise yourself is going to be extremely There you different. go. You nailed it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you exactly with that. Um, have, have you ever wanted or 
been inspired to open your own or go on your own and do your own? I've thought about it a lot. Um, The pandemic is kind of reshaped me a little bit. And, you know, if you asked me today, I'd be like, no, I absolutely do not want to open my own spot. Yeah. Um, The last two years have been really hard. Uh, I want to stay involved with programming. Sure. Um, But I, there's a, there's a few things, for me there's a few, few reasons why I I, I would not want to open my own spot. One right is right now. Yeah. I mean one is, it's, I feel like it's it's, financially, unstate. Like I I'm not in a position financially to do that. Yeah. Uh, I've been r- working this club lifestyle for, Seven a long years. here and then three years prior. Right. And so, you know, at my age, starting to think about priorities, if I ever wanted to have a family mm-hmm. or something like that, I don't want to be tied down to the the day-to-day of, of, of my own business. Of a liability of your own business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if I was going to open something now, obviously those first few years are when you, you have it's no most, life. Yeah. So I think what I'm really trying to focus on is kind of having a better work-life balance and kind of just take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course it would be, I would just wish I had a ton of money and could kind of hang out at a club all the time and not have to work there. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be the most beautiful retirement ever. Yeah. (laughs) Just vibe out at a club. What, what about the curation process and about curating this jazz club do you love most? And what is your process? Talk me through it a little bit. For bookings? Yeah. Uh, well now Has it shifted we, over time too. Yeah, I mean we we're 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 very popular now, so I I don't really have to ask anyone to play here. I mean I don't unless there's a last minute cancellation. Oh yeah, we get a lot of, I mean crazy number of inquiries every day. Um, obviously we're known as a jazz club, so pretty much I prioritize jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, a few shows a month, I call them selfish bookings. Okay, it's either something that I personally just really want to here or (laughs) yeah or someone uh who's kind of doing everything right and like maybe we won't make money on them on the first show but it's someone who i i would like to break them into the market Mm -hmm. and so you start small and hopefully by show three or four you're you know they have a a nice following the rest um i kind of just take a look at the month and make sure there's a mix of local and and some national mm. a mix of you know just that gamut of jazz like i i don't want to have th- three nights of big band back to back to back yeah. i try to make sure um i just feel like if you are a big band fiend mm-hmm. you're probably not going to come to all three shows in a row just because of money Literally. Um, <laughs> so I try to space it, space, space that out a little bit. Oh, smart! I see what you're saying. To get them, yeah, to get the reoccurring. Yeah. Uh, like if I have three, if I have you know even headliners, you know in Cleveland, if I have four national acts and tickets are thirty dollars, if you want to see all four, it's one hundred twenty bucks. And for, I mean, we, our audience, some people can afford that, but a lot of. One, I mean, one of the things I love about this space is that we have a pretty young audience these days, so cool. especially as the neighborhood really? grows with young people. 
So that's that can get a little bit a little pricey mm, for sure. that demographic. So I, I, just, I completely get that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I I'm excited. I guess to hear that there's young people coming yeah, in. Now. I, yeah. Sorry. I, I, the way I think of it, I don't want my shows to compete with themselves. That's like a good way of of putting it, of phrasing it. Yeah. Smart for the curation process. Um, what What do you think it would take for venues to be in a much better spot moving forward after COVID? And how was I would like to also maybe know a little bit like how was your COVID po- processes and procedures? Like, was there a period where you were just online, mm-hmm. and then was there like a mixed online and in person? And like, what are you doing now yeah. moving forward? So, um, I'll answer that second question first. Um, so our trajectory was, we closed on March 19th of 2020 and there was nothing in, I mean, we were forced to be closed, um, for the rest of March, uh, all of April and all of May. Wow. Uh, and that's so funny. Sorry. I'm looking in my calendar of all my canceled shows. Uh, there were a lot, um, uh, we ended up, I should say we did end up canceling about 180 concerts. Holy cow. Yeah. Cause I were booked pretty far in advance. Um, we did. So we reopened in the summer, the city of Cleveland allowed some outdoor permits that we, 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 we were fortunate because we have an outdoor patio here that's very small, but we were able to set a band up on our patio and then extend seats into the park that's right next to the Bob Stop. So we did, mm. we did do some outdoor concerts and uh, live streaming. So there was a period where we would do outdoor concerts, socially distanced, and bands had an option of doing an outdoor concert or performing inside, but with no audience, just virtual. Mm. Uh then we slowly uh then we i should say we we closed again and did virtual only when the weather changed so like november december january february of 2020 to whatever that is i get all it's so hard to keep track of but yeah Dece- so december january february March was virtual only. Wow. Then we re- started reopening at 25% capacity mm. with and still live streaming. Um, and then this past summer, we were at 50% indoor capacity with live streaming or outside again. Bands still had a preference or could choose. And we got what back. What were most people choosing? Um it was funny. I thought most people would choose outside because you could play for more people outside. But what ended up happening is we, we can record all of the live streams. And a lot of bands wanted uh, were opting to play inside with fewer people because people were donating on the live streams. They have family and friends who they hadn't seen all pandemic who live all over the world. And they can just we can live stream. Everyone can check check out their show. Um, plus, then the band gets a recording of their show. So it was funny. We actually didn't have nearly as many outdoor concerts as I thought we would have. 
Sure. Um, we got back to 100% capacity, but with but we have a, a policy where you have to show proof of vaccination or a negative test within 72 hours. Um, that started September 7th. Okay. And has the local and state guidelines, have they been shifting a lot? Have they been negative in regards to helping your operations? Um, so how has that relationship been? It's, there are, I mean, there aren't many guidelines. It's turning into policies on like business owners are just making policies based on what they, what they feel they need to operate. So there's no mask mandate. There's no capacity restrictions. Um, there's no social distancing. Mm. Um, and there haven't been any for a, for a while in Ohio. So as opposed to the beginning of the pandemic where there were, it was law, like the, there were mask mandates and it was law. There was social distancing guidelines. It was law. Mm. You know, you can't argue people were much friendlier because it was just the law and people knew it was the law and they just are going to obey the law. Now, since there's nothing that's state or locally um, mandated by law, it's just policy. People are generally a little bit more rude about it. <laughs> you know, mm, I find that in my work, my workplace. Yeah. Too. But we have to, everyone has to have a mask whether they're vaccinated or not. Yeah. But that was like a corporate procedure more than anything for that. Yeah. Dang. So I'm curious. I wanted to ask, uh, where do you sort of see see your personal life trajectory heading for yourself? Like if you look at the next 10 years, what do you see for yourself? Maybe what are some bigger, bigger goals or roadmap markers that you'd like to hit? Well, at some point, you know, I want to focus, like I said, focus on getting away from the club. Mm. Um I don't know what the next move would be. I'm starting to think about it. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I love the Bob Stop is great. I love it. The w The work is impactful. It's just I can't do it forever, and I know that. Mm. So Tana, my partner, is in grad school in Pittsburgh, and we're kind of taking the next couple years to figure out. Your guys' life together. Yeah, figure out what we, you know, where we should be what we want to do, you know, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that sort of thing. So, um, it's a good spot to be in, you know, where do you want kids? Well, yeah. 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 At some point. Yeah. What's the cutoff Two. Three, this is funny. I've never four? talked about this publicly ever. Really? No, I not even no. with your parents. Not really. really. I would, I would, I would say one, one or one or two, one or two. Yeah. That's what I think where I, my threshold lies. Though. Yeah. Two is a hard cap. Yeah. Watch me have septuplets. Yeah, right. Oh, you're having triplets. It'd be cool if they're all they all play an instrument and then we'd have like one little That's marching band. band. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> that would be so cool. Uh, oh, I had I, a question for anyone who might be wanting to promote or book their band or yeah. hearing this. You see so many goddamn emails for that, mm -hmm. and you've sent probably a ton when you were doing promotion and management for other acts. What are some key rules? What are some things? Uh, what what should I stay away from? How should I set up that email? What are some good notes? What are ones that you were like, oh, that was spicy. That one stood out. Got it. So I always love when someone, it's it's you can tell someone's done a little bit of research and shows an interest in why they want to play your specific venue, in my case, the Bop Stop. 
even if it's something simple like I was checking out the website, you know, I saw you had X, Y, and Z performers and, you know, I've, I've played with that person or whatever, or, you know, my music is similar to them and they told me to reach out to you or something that, you know, or, oh, the layout looks perfect. We can, we see that you have a Steinway piano and I'm a Steinway artist. So the space is a good fit for me. Something that shows they, they did a little bit of research. Sure. <clears throat> There's a lot of emails that are just, a, it's just a blanket email. You can tell it's copy and pasted and, mm. and just sent. Yeah, um, so if you do, if, so some big no-no's, if you're booking your if you're booking your band, don't copy in every venue on one email, and especially if if you do do that, don't forget to blind, blind copy. copy. Um, but that happens a lot. Or if you say, "Oh, I'm really excited to play the," you know, and you say a venue that's not the one I book, that's like a, that's a pet peeve of mine. I delete that immediately. Um, the other thing is, I, we have instructions on our like so if you call the club or you're on our website, it says, it says, if you're interested in booking, please send an EPK too. And it has my email address. So, um, people who don't follow directions, like if someone calls the club and leaves a message that mm -hmm. says, Oh yeah, I really want to book the space. But the answering machine says just, you know, email. I don't respond. The only people I really don't respond to are people that don't like follow the, the directions. The rule, yeah. yeah. Because we can talk forever, but I'm going to say, I want to hear your music. Well, that just makes sense, because then why the hell have the rule if you're going to accept ones that won't follow the rule? Yeah. What's the point of helping your life be easier? I do say, <laughs> yeah, well, I do say, uh, you know, a huge rule is don't be an asshole, mm -hmm. because there's so many talented people out there. They're and dicks in their email, like the tonality <laughs> still? Or, yeah, like if you say... I get questioned a lot on, um, oh, you're not going to have me, but you had this person, you know, and mm, um, straight ego shot. Yeah, there's things like that, or I don't know. People are just people are funny, you know. M music business is a business of people. That's why it's fun. But you still get characters. It is. Um, you almost have to be a psychologist in some <laughs> regard. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It is. It is a yeah, great. You get time. good stories. Exactly. That's the thing is like the lot the memories that you get are worth it. And also like if you're a fanatic of music, like being around music all the time, mm -hmm. there's nothing that beats that. Nothing. Uh length of the emails. If they're too long, is that a no no? I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say length is a problem. If someone like in the body of an email puts their entire bio, I probably won't read the entire thing. But, um, you know, I generally like to know who's in the band. If you've ever played Cleveland, if you did play Cleveland, you know, what ticket prices were, when you played, which venue, that sort of thing. And then um, I kind of just make a judgment on whether this is a good fit, period. And if it, I guess a good fit or not. And if I really like the music, I just try to find a spot in the calendar that makes sense for the show. Sure. Sometimes there are shows, there's literally... There's somebody that uh, I have been trying to get here for literally my entire time, and he was just no here way. last weekend. No I got way. Jesse Fisher, but it's a great Dude, band. Congrats. But yeah, but it, it's it's just you know it's one of these ones where the stars just have to align to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So. And how did that performance go? Um, it was 
a lot of fun. It was really great. La 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 Ready to rock the mic. Mic check, one, two. Tough, tough question. Yeah. Let me make a suggestion. Doing a rap for him? Mm-hmm. Should I keep that I've in? got indigestion. There you go. This podcast, I'll be subliminally messaging. All the questions. <laughs> questions and... There you go. Yep. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to ask... Before we finish up our time, by the way, thank you so much for doing this today. This has been amazing. This is, I've been dying to do an episode with you. Thanks for the uh, $400 stipend. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that that brings up a good point. Uh, riders. Riders? Riders and contracts. What's your favorite part? What's your least favorite part? Oh, they're easy. I just cross everything out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only half joking. No, I mean, a lot of people have the same rider for, like, they just send it. It's a blanket rider that they send to festivals and also to clubs. And so a lot of times I see what's being asked, you know, at an ideal level from a large presenting organization. And I end, a lot of times I just have to just cross it out. Everything out. Uh, is there initial communication it. with managers for contract passing back and forth? Mm, no, I mean there's good ma- there's good agents and good managers and ones that I I don't like working with as much. But yeah. uh, you know, I think agents have they don't have the best reputation. Mm. But um, when you get a good one, it's amazing. Mm. You know, there's there's agents that I really trust and I really like working with, and I'm, we're able to do a lot of cool stuff because of just how we work with each other. Mm. Uh, there are other agents that just they're they're almost out. They they feel like they're there. There are agents that feel like you're playing for the same team, and agents that feel like no, they're they're the opposite team. Sure. You know, so mm, that's annoying. But right? Then we talked about it. It's a personality business. That's what it is. But I think communication's key. I mean, it's yeah. and with with good agents, just being open and honest is where the relationship has to start start that's smart. so you know just as a as a bad example there was a show i was working on prior to covid the band was a thousand dollars and then we tr- recently just tried to get it back on the calendar and the fee was two thousand dollars and i was mm-hmm. like how come you know what's going on how why why the fee double in price and she was like well uh you know we know venues got a lot of the shuttered venue operator grant funding so you know venues have money again so we're the fees are increasing and i didn't have any of that fund i didn't i actually didn't get that funding mm. um that's a whole nother story that could be a whole separate podcast wow. but um you know the what should have happened is at least ask the question hey do you have shuttered it's, it's a weird question to ask but to make an assumption that i just have this money you know yes. is 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 and to quote me high is like not the right way to go about that. I feel like you could have a conversation where you're first like, "Hey, how's it going?" Oh, like, you know, Shuttered Venue really helped me out. Did you happen to get that funding too? Right. Um, you know, how, oh, you know, how are you prioritizing that? And you, you know, you get an idea of 
where the venue's coming from, and then you can the agent can help kind of find a program that fits where that venue's coming from. That's exactly. their job. That's what their job should be. Um, <laughs> but in an ideal world, yeah. But you know, that's just an example where I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I don't really trust you. I feel like you're just trying. You're not someone who's willing to work with me. You're just making assumptions and trying to find, you know, find what's best for you. Yeah, no, that's definitely and it's okay to to recognize like, hey, you know what? Maybe you should just try other venues. Mm. I like that. I want to ask, what's going on? No, nothing. Oh, all right. Uh, what do you define as love? Like, what do, what do you define as love? What's the definition of love? I have no, that is, I have no, I, that's, I don't even know in how to answer mind, that. In your opinion right now at this current This is going to be so, pra- it's like, I'm a very practical person and I think. That's okay. So for me, it's, uh, it's all from a, comes from a mutual respect. Mm. Uh, so love is mutual respect. I think that has to be there. If you're going to love somebody, Got it. there would have to be mutual respect. Yeah. That's like the starting point. That's like the, I wouldn't say that def- necessarily defines it, but that for me, that's the key, the key mm-hmm. foundation is, yeah, just, yeah, mutual respect. I don't know. Cool. I like that. And I mean, that goes for romantic love and not, and just like friend love, you know, mm-hmm. that's got to be there. What is uh, one of your biggest fears in life currently? At your current age? Wow. I don't really know. This isn't exactly a fear, Mm -hmm. but it is something that is on my mind a lot these days, which is... uh, I think so. I'm the only, you know, I'm at an I'm at an age where there's naturally like I'm no longer young. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm not old, obviously, but sure. I think you know, mid thirties is a time where <clears throat> you start. You just start realizing that you know a good a portion of your life is over and there's some mm-hmm. growing, I feel like I, I, you know, everyone around me is getting older and I'm much more aware of that. And I think I'm, I'm aware of time passing mm-hmm. in a way that I never really paid Noticed attention before. to until I'd say maybe two, two years ago, three years ago. Wow. And so I just, I think a lot of my, the, the decisions I'm making the big decisions I'm going to be faced with in the next few years are really about how to best use my time Mm. in, in, in the long, in the long run, not, you know, I'm not talking about, Oh, I've got an hour to kill, but like, right. No, I've got like your, your strategic positioning based on your consciousness of how you're experiencing time day to day is shifting the priority. That's yeah. You know, there's things, there's just things like I don't have any family here. Mm. And now I want to be closer to family because yeah. that's time's passing, matters. and I yeah. haven't been near them for a long time, mm. and that it wasn't a priority ten years ago to 
like that that just wasn't something I was thinking about, and now yeah, it in is. Your 20s, yeah. So that's fascinating. Too. I don't know. And it's but it's not a fear. It's it's a good thing. I don't really think of it. Yeah, as that's more a negative, of a reflection than anything. But, but that was fascinating. I'm glad you answered that way because I think that's a really valid one, and one that I think like hearing that maybe if I'm listening to this and I'm younger than my 30s or hearing this and I'm in my 30s might be it might be really interesting to see how that could affect my life. Like, you know, I try and do that all the time. Like, that's the reason I even started the podcast. Yeah. Cause well, oh, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no, you go. Finish. No, you got it. <laughs> all right. I was going to say, because, like, connecting is, like, w- in my opinion, like, one of the most important things is, like, just connecting with others and experiencing. Because that's, like, priceless. That we will never get back. And so, like, I'm now chasing every day to do that the most, which I think is fascinating. But, like, I can see my priorities shifting and my observation of that changing yeah Hmm. yeah that's fascinating what Um, do you define as the meaning of life (laughs) oh my god what is the meaning of life yeah for you in your opinion there's no right answer but i don't know what i have i don't (laughs) do not think about these things the meaning of life i really don't uh I'm stumped on that one. Mm. You've never never thought about it. Never contemplated it before? Like the purpose of why we're here? I guess not really. Okay. I, I, I think about what I want to get out of my life, but I wouldn't say. That's the meaning of this life. Yeah. I don't know. I what, mean, because well, I, I feel answer? like. <coughs> what is that answer then? I'm curious. I I mean I think it's related to kind of it's very similar to what you said that it it is about interactions and community building and I think uh music is just m- my way of connecting those dots. I think a lot of times when you know it, if people ask what you know what what's your job what do you do or something. It's easy to say, "Oh yeah, I run a jazz club and, you know, I book shows and promote and whatever." But when you get down to know what it, what what business am I in or whatever, I would say it's it's community building. You you know, the the you know, s- the contracts we went over and all that stuff is part of the job, but the part that is important is you know, you, the experiences that are created here. I mean, we've had, we just had somebody come. It's the third, the third couple I know of, but they met at the Bob stop and they're now married, you know, and like, that's, you know, that's why it's creating a space where you have these experiences and connect with people Mm. and music has a way of bringing people from all walks of life together. Uh, and just, letting you know you bring people together and you let it you just let what happens happens but Mm. you know it's never it's always a positive thing with music yeah (laughs) at least here i I really liked i i latched on to that point you made about like you like once you find whatever passionate outlet for you allows you to do that that like paying it forward or to that community or like giving back 
and seeing how those experiences of your passions like feedback into you is so crucial. Like that is really unique. What uh, what are you happy about? Like if if you if you reflect and you're what are you most grateful for now in your life? What am I most grateful for? Yeah, like what do you have a lot of gratitude for? Wow. It's so funny because in college, my one of my best friends in college, every every night before bed, we'd ask each other, you know, what are you grateful for today? Really? And it would be sometimes you'd you'd be have strong feelings and say something deep and other times it would just be oh, you know, the cloud you know, the clouds today were really pretty and I'm thankful that I have a pillow and Mm. you know, you're here and um so I think it's what am I grateful for? I am grateful that I guess in a moment of transition, I'm, or what I feel like is about to be a, a time of transition, I'm grateful for a really good support system between my family and Tana, who is my family, mm-hmm. you know, unofficially so far. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you get it. <laughs> and yeah, uh, no, it's, it's official where it matters. <laughs> um, and that, you know, I've, there's just funny things like I have health insurance. I'm very, I'm very aware of that this past year. Yeah. Uh, it's a little, things. but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of a deeper level one, but, um, I don't know. I'm trying to drop knowledge that I feel like I don't have. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I guess right now I just feel, I am grateful. I, it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what, what I'm grateful for right now, but, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm grateful. That's a be- brilliant answer, <laughs> though. No, yeah, family and and existing the little things. Yeah, that's fantastic. I have one final question for you before we finish up here. If you had one piece of wisdom for anyone who's listening to this, mm-hmm. what would that piece of wisdom be? I think there are two. I think there are two things actually that I that really stand out that I okay. are lessons that I would kind of live by. One is. When one door closes, another opens. Mm. It's just been so true for a lot of my life. Uh, And then the other one is just treat people. It's so simple. Just treat people with respect or I'm going to say just treat people with respect because you never know where life takes people and you never know what's going on in their lives. Um. But I think moving from transitioning into this job, I'm just talking about work since I feel like we've this has kind of turned into a conversation mostly about work. I Hell know no. you're I know you're I know you're, you're digging. Good. You're good. But it there are people that when I that were treated me one way before I had this job and then treated me differently, like once I had this job. Mm. And Those people who are really rude and all are, are, are all of a sudden nice, it rubs me the wrong way. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter what your job is, where you're from, you should treat everybody with the same level of respect. Mm. And that's that's that. 
That's you know, beautiful. That yeah, well. enough said. That's brilliant. I want to give you an opportunity before we finish up here. Again, thank you so much for being on with me and sharing this time and this conversation. It, it means the world to me. Yeah, really. But <laughs> in the most, <laughs> the most, uh, yeah, PC way possible. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> no and, problem. Um, Thanks for hanging anything out. Anything you got you want to plug? Any places? Where can people find you? Where can people find the club? Want to share those details now? Sure. So uh, you can uh, check us out on the web. Right now it's the musicsettlement.org. There it is. Um, and there's a tab that says Bob Stop. However, starting next week, uh, we're getting a new website. And yeah, so you'll be, it'll, things will be a little bit easier to find. And of course, follow us on social media. We are just on Facebook, we're just Bob Stop. And then uh, you guys have a podcast too, right? Yeah, um, the podcast started over the uh, over the pandemic, essentially because of the live streams. We've been recording every single program, sick. And so we actually started a radio show first, and we're live at the Bob Stop is now broadcast on fourteen stations across the country. Wow! And the podcast is more of an archive for the radio show. Cool. So it's not discussion-based like uh, this podcast, but it is a really nice archive of just what's happening on our stage. Hell yeah. So go check them all out. And uh, folks, as always, thank you for joining us. This has been another great episode of A Humanistic Perspective. Stay hungry, stay happy, and we'll see you later. Peace.